Oh, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gamer, the GX. I will, oh my god, I will whew, take two. Welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. God damn it, trampoline wrestling. I don't know. <laughs> Can you imagine if that was the uh, a pod? Is there a podcast on trampoline wrestling out there? There has to be. There's a podcast for everything. Anyway. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, on this episode, we are going to be talking about quite a few things. Of course, this, the usual stuff we start out with, the trades, signings, injury news. Then we got news on the Canucks, the Yodis. We got some retirement news. We're going to talk about the Leafs and, and their phenomenal, absolutely nothing went wrong at all. Western road trip, uh, California road trip. Obviously, they won all three games and there's no controversy in Toronto whatsoever. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some crazy... Uh, performances this week we got we got refing we're going to talk about refing because it's terrible as usual we're going to talk about the flames we're going to talk about the kraken so there's a lot there's a lot okay that's what i'm trying to say here so let's just get into the to the to the good stuff let's start out with the trades so we've had a couple trades from the vancouver canucks uh it's nice to see that the canucks are trying to do something and uh, so what they decided to do first, they're going to trade away Michael DiPietro. He's a goaltender. And Jonathan Myrenberg, he's a defenseman to the Boston Bruins in exchange for Jack Studnika, center. So Vancouver acquiring a center. I'm a little surprised that the Bruins are giving up. Uh, we're giving up on Studnika. The price seemed pretty low considering that Jack Studnika is, a, is an NHL player. I believe. I don't know if he was really playing all that much with the Bruins, but he would get he diff, he has played in the NHL. He's a younger player, and I think he still has some upside there. Will he find it in Vancouver? I don't know. That's a really hard place to find yourself in, uh, especially this season. But we'll see how that goes. I think it's a good pickup for the Vancouver Canucks. I think it's a small price to pay. Michael DiPietro, goaltender. I don't know. He's. Uh, he hasn't really gotten there, and I don't know if he will. As far as I know, he 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 asked for a trade out of Vancouver, so they were doing that. So I guess he got what he wanted as well. I think the Canucks did well on that trade, and their second trade that they made, Vancouver Canucks acquire Ethan Bear, defenseman, and Lane Peterson, center, in exchange for a 2023 fifth-round pick that's going to the Carolina Hurricanes. So Vancouver Canucks pick up that right-handed, uh, right-handed shot defenseman that they were desperately looking for. Um, I think it's a very solid price to pay, a fifth-round pick for a young right-handed defenseman. I think that's great. Uh, lots of other teams apparently were in on it. Apparently the Toronto Maple Leafs were also sniffing around Ethan Bear, but they did not want to uh, give up the draft picks that um, Carolina was asking for, which would have led, if the Leafs did give up that pick, they would have left them with, I think, three picks for this upcoming draft. And the way that the season's going right now, I don't know. It probably wouldn't be a great idea to trade away more draft picks, but I don't know. Ethan Bear is, uh, for a fifth-round pick, I wouldn't have been mad if if Dubas decided to go ahead and do that because then then we can get rid of Justin Hall and that that instantly will make the Toronto Maple Leafs a Stanley Cup contender if we could just stop playing Justin Hall any amount of minutes any night but good job I think Vancouver did good here on their um on their two trades so I'm I'm good with that uh, Carolina picking up another pick 
picks are magic beans. We never really know what they're going to be until they be something. Okay, so that is all for the trades that are worth talking about. Uh, I'm not going to talk about signings this week because there was nothing special other than the last week. I said there was a Florida signed a guy, uh, but didn't release the name of that man. That man, that man ended up being Eric Stahl, so that's really cool. He signed a league minimum with the Florida Panthers, uh, so that was cool. I was like, oh shit, there's there's the name I was looking for last week, and there you go. All right, so let's get into the injury news. Tons of injuries, as always. Uh, I'll start out with, how about we do it reverse ways? Let's go from top down. So, um, Winnipeg Jets' Logan Stanley is out, and so is Nikolai Ehlers. Ehlers' recovery isn't progressing as quickly as expected, which is really not good for the Jets. They can really use... um, What's his name again? Uh, Nikolai Ehlers. (laughs) Jesus, I forgot his name eight seconds after reading it. Washington Capitals had a rough week for injury news. You got John Carlson. He is out with a lower body injury. Won't play on... He did not play on Tuesday, so I don't know if he's going to be out for very long. And a massive blow here. Connor Brown going down. Uh, Brown's going to have surgery on a torn ACL and will likely miss the remainder of the season. That fucking sucks so bad, man, because I'm a huge Connor Brown fan. I loved him as a Toronto Maple Leaf. I, I was... I was able to keep tracks on him uh, while he was an Ottawa Senator. Uh, He was a good Ottawa Senator, and when the Capitals picked him up, a lot of people were like, oh, yeah, man, you're going to love Connor Brown. He's such a good little player, such an underrated player. He can do just about anything. And, yeah, the Washington Capitals, one of their bigger pickups of the offseason, sadly, is going down for the rest of the, the remainder of the season. They said there is a small likelihood that he could return by trade deadline, but we'll have to just wait and see on that. So Connor Brown, for, for the love of the Washington Capitals' sake, get better soon. TJ Oshie also out, uh, is out indefinitely, so we do not, that's, I hate that word so much because sometimes it means like a week, sometimes it means they're fucking retiring, so TJ Oshie being out, uh, also hurts them quite a lot, so three big players going down for the Capitals this week, uh, not cool. Vegas Golden Knights there doing okay. Brock Besser was put on injured reserve, undisclosed, he's not going to be playing versus the Devils. Okay, that's cool. Tim- Timothy Lilligren still dealing with his hernia stuff. Um, uh, he was he was back up with the Leafs on Tuesday for practice, so hopefully he is almost back, which would be excellent because we need him. Not that it's going to turn around everything in Toronto land, but it would be nice to have him back, that's for sure. Tampa Bay Lightning, Victor Hedman is day-to-day. Never a good thing when Victor Hedman is not playing for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Zach Bogosian is on the injured reserve dealing with a shoulder injury. Uh, He's in a no-contact jersey, so he probably won't be back anytime too soon. Sorelli took part in Monday's practice, but he's still a few weeks away. So, yeah, they're they're really, I don't know, everyone in the league, I don't know, a lot of teams right now are kind of in it. And a bit of a funk. A lot of teams are in and around 500, give or take one or two games. But, yeah, it's a very close, uh, bunched-up league right now, aside from a couple teams. But, yeah, St. Louis. You got Brandon Saad. He is currently day-to-day. Seattle Kraken. You got Martin Jones is out. Won't be in the lineup on Tuesday. He's dealing with a family matter. Jonas Donskoy is on IR, dealing with an upper body injury listed as day-to-day. Hey, the San Jose Sharks got uh, got away with it. Chris Letang in the Pittsburgh Penguins is day-to-day. Teddy Bluger, injured reserve upper body, practice in a regular jersey on Monday, so he should be coming back pretty soon. 
Really like Teddy Bluger. Philadelphia Flyers losing James Van Riemsdyk. He will miss the next six weeks after he had surgery on a broken finger. That's a shame because uh, JVR was actually having a pretty good start to the season. Sean Couturier, so we got bad news with him. He underwent back revision surgery Thursday and expected to be out three to four months. So that's another massive blow to the Philadelphia Flyers. They were actually having a pretty good season. Uh, starting out anyway, and they were already down a bunch of guys, so why not just send them down a few more guys? Why not? Um, at least are going to be playing them today. They're more than likely going to get stomped because the Flyers have half of their roster injured, and that means that the Leafs are going to play down to that, and they're going to lose. Ottawa Senators, you got Cam Talbot. Uh, he may be available this Saturday, so that would be huge for the Ottawa Senators to see if uh, Cam Talbot can get back into the net and start winning some games for them. New York Islanders got Matt Martin out for personal reasons. Holy fuck, scroll down, would you? New Jersey Devils, Andre Palat is on injured reserves. He underwent groin surgery on Tuesday, so that's a big blow for them. Okay, you guys all made it out. Good for you. Minnesota Wild, Brandon Duhame is out. Uh, upper body injury, no timetable given. Marcus Felino is out. He's not going to be playing. Uh, he didn't play on Tuesday, but hopefully he'll be back soon because he's on my fantasy team and he's doing absolutely nothing for me. Speaking of doing absolutely nothing for me, Ryan Hartman is out. Ryan Hartman dealing with an upper body injury. He's not play. He didn't play on Wednesday as well, so no idea when he's coming back. Also, a guy on my fantasy team doing absolutely fucking nothing. Jordan Greenway, injured reserve. He is dealing with an upper body injury. He might be joining the Wild for their upcoming road trip. That begins on November 8th. So he's a week or two away. Los Angeles Kings, you guys made it through this week. Good for you. Edmonton made it through. Detroit Red Wings, you got Oscar Sundquist is day-to-day. -day. Dallas Stars losing the Ottman. Jake Ottinger is out dealing with a lower body injury. He will be out for at least one week before being reevaluated. So Dallas Stars fans are definitely uh, not too happy about hearing Jake Ottinger going down. They're going to want him back as soon as possible. Not that Wedgwood is a bad backup goaltender. It's just... I don't know, I think the name scares people off. I think Wedgwood is actually a pretty solid goaltender. Uh, as long as he's a Dallas star, he's a pretty decent goaltender. Uh, okay, no one's name that I really care about in Columbus. You got Colorado Avalanche, freaking the big boy. Valerie Nikushkin is day-to-day. -day. They're going to want him back as soon as possible. He's scoring all their points for them lately. Chicago Blackhawks, they're dealing with some goalie injury problems right now. Not only is Peter Morazic out, but now Alex Stalock is day-to-day -day dealing with uh, concussion protocol. So uh, hopefully he's okay and he'll be back as soon as possible. Uh, Buffalo Sabres got Ilya Lubushkin. Oh, he is day-to-day -day currently. You got the Boston Bruins had a good fucking week. Not only are they having a good week, they're having a good season already, and people are calling them they're going to win the Stanley Cup and all that bullshit. Fuck off. God damn it. Brad Marchant returned this week, scored two goals and one assist in his first game back. Double hip surgery. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? Of course. I knew it. Of course. He's just going to get 100 points. No problem. Doesn't even matter. But uh, in other good news, the Boston Bruins are dealing with some injuries. They got Craig Smith. He is out. This is day to day. He'll probably be back and he'll score a hat trick in his first game. Charlie McAvoy, uh, he ditched the non-contact jersey at practice on Monday. He's going to be traveling with the team for its three-game road trip. So it looks like they're going to be getting uh, McAvoy back as well. So that means the Bruins are going to be completely unstoppable now. Groovy. Arizona Coyotes got Zach Cassian out. Connor Timmons out. Uh, okay. 
And then the Anaheim Ducks. You got Sam Carrick. He is on the IR dealing with a hip. He's loaned to the AHL for a conditioning stint. I don't even know if he is in the lineup on the regular. Jamie Drysdale. So he, it doesn't say what his injury is, but I do recall it being quite a bad one. He is going to be out for like four to six months or something like that. And that is just devastating for Jamie Drysdale. He was, this was supposed to be a pretty big season. Another, uh, a big step for him, hopefully to take that next step in the NHL. He looked decent last year, a little quiet. And uh, I don't know, he wasn't really having an amazing start or anything like that this year. But fact of the matter is he's going to be missing most of or a large portion of this season, which is a shame because that's uh, I love young defensemen in the league they're they're just really exciting to watch and 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 it's fun to, to see them finally sprout and, and turn into the real defenseman like Rasmus Dahlin is this season like he was good last year but this year holy fuck the guy is on pace for 100 freaking points it's insane for a defenseman come on now okay that is all the injury news thank the lord and we are done with that so last week we talked about the Vancouver Canucks they had not won a game uh, up until that point last week, and guess what? They won two fucking games. Oh my god, the Vancouver Canucks are back, baby. They're going to win the Stanley Cup. They're going to go undefeated for the rest of the season. Bruce, there it is. Everyone's back. Everyone's fine and happy in Vancouver land. They love Bruce Boudreaux again. Oh, our team's not that bad. Oh, you know, the Oliver Ekman Larson contract's actually pretty good if you look at it really really closely so on and so forth no but seriously the Canucks had a, a couple well their first win wasn't uh, exactly what you would call pretty they beat the Seattle Kraken in a 5-4 game um the interview with Bruce and the videos that came out with the team and everything just celebrating their win was really quite good uh, Bruce was r quite entertaining on that uh, press conference. He was just like, it was a mess, but at least we got a win. And base I'm, I'm just paraphrasing. That's not what he actually said. It might have been, but I don't remember. Um, and they also beat the Pittsburgh Penguins, who everyone had uh, Pittsburgh beating them like 47 nothing, something like that. They actually kicked the shit out of the Pens 5-1. Holy crap, that's insane. So, good for the Vancouver Canucks. They finally got their first couple wins of the season, so congratulations. Hopefully, things will calm down a little bit over there in Vancouver and we can get back on track. Um, I, I can't... Did they play tonight? I, I'm going to check. I think. Oh, yeah, they totally did play tonight. I'm just going to check and see what the score was on that one. I think they were getting pummeled when I... Oh, they lost. Okay. Yeah, the Devils got them 5-2, to two, so oh well, there you go. They can't get on a win streak, but they got two. So if they can come back with a win, maybe come back and get two wins, and then if they're going to lose, then come back with two wins, they can get themselves out of this hole. Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure I said last week that their season was basically already done in rings. Eh, I don't know. It's hard to say now because the the West is kind of weak a little bit right now, so the doors are still like not fully shut on even the, the lowest of teams over there. Now, Columbus on the Eastern side, they're pretty fucked. They're pretty fucked right now because the, the East is looking quite powerful again this season. But, um... <clears throat> yeah, the, the season may not be trashed just yet for the for the Vancouver Canucks, so a couple big wins there. Lost to New Jersey, but, I mean, Jersey's pretty fucking good right now. Shockingly, it's, it's weird for that sentence to come out of my mouth but and I guess it's kind of weird to say that the Vancouver Canucks won a game also a weird sentence to come out of my mouth I didn't know if I was going to be able to say that this week but thankfully I am so good for the Vancouver Canucks I'm happy for them that they're you know who knows I they're starting to look like they're gonna go zero and 82 but they got it done uh the the 
Arizona Coyotes played their first game in the Mullet Arena. Uh, everyone was freaking the fuck out beforehand because some videos got released of them setting up the fucking dressing room. And it was just like curtains and rods. It wasn't even done yet. And everyone's flipping their top like, oh my God, this is a disgrace and all this shit. Apparently it went over fine. I didn't even, I completely forgot to check it out. I'm very upset with myself. I had that one on my docket to check out. Uh, apparently everything went fine. Um, looked like an NHL game, sounded like an NHL game. No, Nothing was really, I saw some pictures and I thought it looked good. Um, you know, if, as long as they don't pan out and stuff and show that there's like no one up in the top, top areas. It's like, oh shit, there's like no seats or anything. Okay, that's it. That's all the people. But it was full. It was loud. Everyone in the arena got a mullet, like an actual, like a wig mullet. You know what I'm saying? They got a mullet. I would have loved that. I believe their first game was against Era Winnipeg. I don't I don't think they won, but I think they also played the Rangers and there was apparently a lot of Rangers fans there, a lot of cheering and all that. Who cares as long as the building's sold out and it's loud and it's fun, that's all that really matters for the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, apparently, also, the Yotes are quite possibly sending their vote uh, to have it to be a community vote to decide where in Tempe they are going to build their new arena. Uh, there's a possibility that they may not be able to build it in, I don't fucking know the words, but they may have to build it on reserve land, which means less taxes for the people. If they build it on their land, off their land, then it's more taxes, so I don't really understand... I'm not smart, so I'm not even going to try, but uh, all I'm saying is that it looks like they're, they're trying to get a deal done to get the, the Arizona Coyotes into a real NHL building, which is great. Um, but so far, so good for the Mullet Arena. I mean, it's not a complete disgrace to the NHL, even though it kind of is at the same time, but at least they're doing what they can with it. They, they made it work. I think it's going over pretty decently. Uh, it's maybe it's going to wear off after the first year when like now it's kind of fun because it was such a big story over the last year that oh my god this NHL team is going to play in a in a in a in a small building and, and all this shit but it seemed to be fine I think it's going to blow over no one really cares but it happened and um yeah their arena is going to be getting like they have to they're playing f the, the whole thing is that their arena isn't done yet and uh, they had to start the season with a big road trip then they came back home and they're going to play these four games, but the, the arena still isn't quite done yet, so they had to like kind of just pop something up. It's good enough. It's a Band-Aid fix. Uh, a decent Band-Aid, though, you know, like one of those good Band-Aids. And then they go back on the road for like another month or something, and then they come back. So, yeah, it's a really insane season for the Arizona Coyotes. They weren't expected to be good anyway, but can you imagine if they were like a contending team right now and they had to deal with something like this? Like, imagine if the Arizona Coyotes were actually good and they got kicked out of their building anyway, and then they ended up in a small arena like this and like like what the hell would happen? Like, it'd be so freaking weird. Like, that, I would be so pissed if I was a, if I was a Yotes fan. And, like, finally they were supposed to be good. And then we get this, like, terrible fucking schedule. We're on the road for, like, the first month and a half, basically. And, like, we saw what it did to the to the Islanders last year when they started on the road. And, like, it really just fucked their whole season. It's debatable if it was or wasn't because they're not doing that great this year either. And they basically are icing the exact same copy and paste team minus Barry Trotz, which... I mean, on paper, that's not a great thing, but it is what it is. So good enough for the Mullet Arena as far as I, if I've, I have heard. 
So that's cool. We have a retirement to announce. Uh, Devin Dubnik has called it a career. Uh, very, very interesting career that he had indeed. Uh, at one point, you know, he was drafted, I believe, in the first round by the Oilers. Looked like he was going to be the next one. He had a couple good seasons there, and then he kind of dropped off. Got traded for nothing. Found his game back in Arizona a little bit. He got, and then once he landed in Minnesota, that was it. Like the game was back. He had a really nice run there in Minnesota. I've always enjoyed Devin Dubnik. Not when he was in on Edmonton, though. That was like no, nothing was great in Edmonton back then. Like the Oilers were such a fucking joke back then. Like always getting the first overall picks and like fail for nail and Yale nail Yakupov being a complete bust and just oh but uh yeah they had Devin Dubnik back then as well he hopped around to a few teams but I'm happy that he was able to get his career back on track uh the last couple seasons of his career weren't exactly uh great uh kind of hanging on to try and be a goaltender he made a couple stops in I think he finished off in Washington or something but at least he had a good moment there in in um Minnesota, good goaltender, not going to be a Hall of Famer or anything, but a very, just an interesting career, how he was able to go from in the league to out of the league to back in the league and then back out of the league retired. Like, that's how it is with goaltenders. They don't really, there's not many, there's not a lot of areas for you to go as a goaltender. If you're, if you're on a bad run, you can be a backup goalie and then you're fucking out of the league. Like, that's it. Like, you're just not a lot of extra chances for a goaltender if they blow it unless you're Matt Murray, but the only reason why he gets so many chances because he won two Stanley Cups in before he was even like not a rookie. It was ridiculous, but yeah. So, congratulations on a great career there, Devin Dubnik. Um, I watched uh, so a few of the hockey games that I watched this week. I was I peeked in on the Edmonton versus Chicago game on Thursday. Oh my god, dude, that game was absolutely fucking mad. It was insane. I think there was a penalty called every seven seconds. Listen to this. So Edmonton had seven power plays. Seven power plays. Seven power plays. That's a lot of fucking power plays. That's not even the most power plays. Chicago had ten. Yeah, 10, 10 fucking 17 penalty calls in that game. And the, and like refs whiffed a call, like calling back a goal that should have counted. The refing in this league, dude, is a fucking joke. I mean, what are we doing? How, how have they not done anything about the refing over? Like, it's been so bad. Like, it's so bad. Like, you got to take the, like, it's hard to debate with the refing because like i i personally just want them all gone i want it all to be just people watching from from the skies and 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 watching from the video rooms or whatever because what's the point of having that they already have it make more of them and have people watching all the games get rid of the stupid refs they're only in the way anyway and then just have like fucking reserve like security basically when things get out of hand and like you have to send some dudes out on the ice to separate everybody boom there you go send out the black shirt guys and they'll they'll separate everybody so there's no bench clearing brawls like i'm surprised there are more of it in the nhl because i mean what the hell is four referees gonna do if, if they want if the if the if the hockey teams want to kill each other there's really nothing stopping them from doing that other than like the security of their jobs if they if they go and fucking stick someone in the neck with a knife or something with their skate um there's like four referees out there's fucking and if if the teams are gonna overpower them they're gonna fight they're gonna fight but 
all I want, dude. I just want this game because it's becoming unenjoyable. Um, almost every call has to be fucking analyzed, reviewed, every goal you can't even get excited for goals because you don't know if it's going to get called back for the stupidest fucking reason you waste seven minutes for them to look at it only to get it wrong and i mean like dude it's absolutely fucking embarrassing like i understand there is going to be error in it but the thing is the nhl thinks that they're perfect and they think that the refs can do no wrong they never discipline the refs they will not talk about the refs players aren't allowed to talk about the refs you'll get fined for talking about the refs you'll get in trouble for even saying ref it's ridiculous. They 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 defend these referees and put them through like like they defend their referees and I think that they need to talk and and they need to the same way that players have to sit there and get berated by the press after every game and say why'd you do that? Why'd you do that? I think referees should be held accountable for why did you miss that call? What were you thinking on that decision when you had 12 minutes sitting there looking at it? on 17 different camera views like what why did you like as clear as day that was like not goaltender interference like there's been there was a ton of blown calls this week and this is just the one like this is just a game that i peered into and i was like within seven minutes i'm like what the fuck is going on with this game like the referees are absolutely out of control man like some of the stats that you hear about referees, how, like, some of them have, like, insane winning percentages at home. Some have, like, insane winning percentages on the road. Like, if you want to look into the weird numbers of the referees, it's out there, and it's not good. It does not it does not paint a very good picture whatsoever. I think the refs are way too emotional at times. They get way too into it. They will... Because a ref, uh, a coach said something a slightly mean to them, or even very fucking mean to them. That's just part of the job. It's not an easy job whatsoever. But um, all of a sudden, like I can't remember what game it was, but that referee was clearly like fucking over the other team just because. Um, fuck, what game was that? I can't remember if it was the Jets game or not, but recently, man, like, uh, even the Anaheim, like, we're going to talk all about this shit, but in the Anaheim game, the refs in that Anaheim Leafs game, they were trying to let the Leafs win that game, and they still couldn't fucking do it. Like, they, they're just such a fucking disgrace. I want the refereeing to be completely redone. I want the rule book to be redone and looked at, but they won't even do that because that's too much fucking work. They even, that was even, that was asked. They're like, can you, can we do anything about the rule book? They said no, because it's going to take us four years to rewrite it. It's like, maybe we shouldn't have a rule book that it, that it would literally take that long. Like maybe we should cut out some of the fucking rules. We should, we should change it because there's no, like, what the hell is that? Four years to change a rule book? That's baloney. How big is this freaking rule book, man? And if it's that big, like, no wonder why the referees get everything wrong. How are you supposed to remember all that bullshit? Like, it's insane, dude. And don't even get me started on the offsides and, and, and all that crap. I mean, it's so ridiculous. There should be the same way that there's a, a little bit of a give for too many men on the ice. Like, you're allowed to get on the ice within six feet of the bench or whatever. Should be a similar rule, like, within a freaking... Like, I, I would be cool with, like, a foot. Like, who cares if the puck was slightly over that line? Like, you're taking away goals from the NHL, and that's bad. That makes your product less fun to watch. You're taking away what makes the product fun, and that's goals. You're taking away from what makes the game fun, which is speed. You're stopping the game all the time to look at things that you guys are just going to get wrong anyway or something that really, like, you'll they'll, they'll plant their flag on a call that really has no meaning, and then they'll blow a call that has all the meaning in the world in overtime, 
call that was like what the fuck uh, penalty shots like giving out penalty shots and like i don't even know dude like it was just an absolutely brutal week and it's been a brutal last few years for refereeing it's just it's trash it's trash it's just straight up trash i want it i want the referees gone i want it to be the eye in the sky i want 20 fucking people watching <laughs> up up in the air and then they're like that's a call right there and then the fucking horn goes off and like penalty to number 22 toronto is that even a guy is there a guy number 22 on toronto i don't even know but anyway yeah refereeing has been absolutely abysmal love to know what you guys think i imagine if if someone out there actually thinks the refereeing is good you're probably a referee and you're biased so shut up okay so let's get into something that isn't terrible like the referees tage thompson holy jumping so this kid exploded onto the scene last year i think he had like 37 goals or something like that for the abysmal buffalo sabers last year really looked like he was he took that next step he became the player that he was drafted to be and he cashed the fuck in buffalo gave him a huge contract he accepted oh excuse me good lord and then of course the people debated that that contract his season is this player going to be any good will he be able to replicate that is that going to be the best season that he ever had and then the rest of it's just going to be not that good well i mean he had a pretty good game this week he had six points three goals three assists in an absolute ass kicking eight to three victory over the detroit red wings now that game i didn't watch it but i was keeping my eye on the scoreboards across the nhl and that one made me do a triple take i'm like wait excuse me wasn't this game four to three like seven seconds ago now all of a sudden it's eight three i'm like what the fuck happened detroit you blew it but um yeah dude trist uh tage what's his name tage tage thompson Tage Thompson, yeah. Wow, what a fucking game for him. I mean, a hat trick on top of three assists. Damn, six points. I mean, yeah, he had a pretty good freaking game right there. Anyone that has him in fantasy is more than likely going to be winning their week. So congratulations on drafting him. And uh, congrats on Tage Thompson with a huge six-point night. I mean, he wasn't off to a blazing start or anything, but now that he just got six points in one game, he's, he's doing just dandy now. Just dandy now. All right, let's talk about the Flames just a little bit here. So, the Calgary Flames, I didn't get to watch the Battle of Alberta, and I'm, 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 a, I'm a little crushed by that because it was a, another really good game. I got to watch the first period or so, and then I had to start, I had to catch up on my wrestling for the WrestleCast and all that stuff, so had to watch wrestling. So, I'm sorry, Calgary Flames fans. I, I didn't get to watch the battle. I'm, I'm sad. Like, it's probably my fault because I, you just needed my two eyes on the screen, and then you guys would have won for sure. If, if it, it was just the lack of my eyes. I'm, I apologize. But anyway, the Flames' top line has been struggling to score goals. Thankfully, the second line with Kadri, Dubé, and Mangiapane have been doing quite well. Their defense has been scoring quite a few points. Um... But yeah, dude, you they really want to get that top line going. They really want Huberdeau to get going. He's been off to a pretty quiet start, uh, which is not encouraging. And considering how uh, Matthew Kachuk is absolutely lighting it up over there in Florida. But even Florida looks like they're dealing with a little bit of problems over there themselves. Not so much with getting points out of their top line, but other things. But the Flames are currently struggling uh, to get goals out of their top line, which is pretty insane because they're doing so well and they're still winning a lot of games and they're playing so so well and they're dominating certain teams that are, are really quite good themselves 
and on and all of that their top line hasn't been scoring the way that they've been looking for so they've decided they're going to uh, put Huberdeau with Kadri to try and spark uh, Huberdo and or Lindholm to get going so Lindholm looks like he's going to be down to the second line or is Huberdo? I don't really know uh, but that's going to be interesting. I think Huberto and Kadri, that could be a good tandem. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed to see that Lindholm and Huberto aren't connecting out of the gate. I mean, we talked about it throughout the summer. Like, is that going to be an issue for Huberto and or Matthew Kachuk? They're going to be going into completely different systems. I think, I think the worry was always more so on the side of Huberto because he was going out of... Uh, a completely offensively minded system over there in Florida last season where he just dominated it and now he was he's coming over to the to the Daryl Sutter system which is much more defensively minded completely different system he's going from the east to the west which is always an underratedly uh, pretty intense thing to do because you're changing your biological clock you got a different time zone you're in a completely different area of the world he's not even in the same country anymore he moved he went from the united states to canada so there's that and um he's got a whole all new teammates to to learn so there is an adjustment period i think huberdo he's too talented to not finally to like figure it out here i just think it's going to take a little bit of time for him to adjust to the system he's been in that florida system his whole career so it's go it might be a little bit of a shock to the system for for huberdo to find to be in a different system and on top of that a defensive system which he's more than likely not that used to so i think it's going to be okay kadri when he signed with the flames i think everybody universally loved that move because calgary daryl sutter seems like a match made in heaven so no problem there. Kadri's been lighting it up over there in in Calgary. So hopefully that top line gets going. And but as long as they're winning, it's okay. But I think the longer that this top line doesn't connect, the sooner it's going to be that we're going to start seeing that affecting their record. So let's get Huberdo scoring. Let's get Lindholm scoring. Let's get Mangiapane scoring. I know he's getting some points, but I, I I want him to do a lot better than than that. Okay. Speaking of doing better than that, Shane Wright. Um, yeah, uh, there's been a lot of talk about Shane Wright's uh, season go uh, so far this year. Uh, so he's playing with the Kraken this year. He's still up, um, and he's playing roughly six minutes per night. So that's not exactly what you want out of your your number your your first round pick uh, playing in the NHL this season. Uh, potentially a first overall pick. He that's what he was supposed to be. He fell to four gave uh montreal canadians the muggiest of me the meanest of mugs i've i have seen and i think i've ever seen at a draft <coughs> that look he gave him gave the halves was so fucking good man oh my god the death glare um but he's playing six minutes a night he was there in seattle he had like a three game uh homestand or something his grandparents came out to watch those three games and he was benched for or he was a healthy scratch for all three of those games so what the fuck is going on here? So I don't know if there there's definitely a dis or a miscommunication or just a mis uh, not a misunderstanding, but there's something like these two do not agree. Hackstall and Francis, the GM and the coach, coach clearly doesn't fucking want a thing to do with with Shane Wright. Me personally, I think Dave Hackstall is a terrible fucking coach. I think I don't I'm I'm shocked that he's even coaching in the NHL, um, but. 
his decision. Uh, um, he's going to play him six nights. He's going to healthy scratch him, and he's going to just absolutely stunt the growth of of what could be one of the more important players of the future of the Seattle Kraken. And you're doing this to him. Why aren't we sending him down to junior? Why aren't we playing him? What the fuck is going on, Seattle? Um, I don't really know. I, I all I could like. The GM Francis wants him to play more. He's like six minutes is not what the what the fuck like. It's like it was almost like he just heard about it. He's like he's playing how many fucking minutes? Are you fucking what? How many fucking minutes? And he's probably like <laughs> actively calling Dave Haxtall and like what the fuck are you doing, dude? Like, but yeah, there is definitely no question about it that six minutes in the NHL per night or and and getting healthy scratched on the regular is not going to do any anything good for Shane Wright and his NHL career. Yes, he is he is on the bench. He's in in the in the what do you call it? The routine of, of the NHL team. He's out there. He's probably practicing with them. He's having team dinners, whatever the fuck traveling with the team. But the fact of the matter is he needs to play. He doesn't just need to stand there and watch. He needs to play. And if he just sits there and he's just watching what, what is that supposed to do? So it's rather a, you send him to the juniors and, and he's going to light it up in the juniors, which is like, you know, it's it, that's not necessarily the best thing for him either, but it's definitely better than him playing six minutes a night in the NHL. I mean, if I was the coach, I mean, I would definitely be like, would have tried him out a little bit more so uh, in the first few games of the season because it's not like Seattle had any expectations to make playoffs or anything. All they were expected to do was to not be as dog shit as they were in their first season, which isn't that hard to do because they were so dog shit. So as long as they were better than that, it would have been a successful season. And if you got Shane right out there, like there's not even really that much of, um, of, a uh, what's the word I want? Um, when you've, Oh, I don't even know the word dude. Fucking, you don't have a lot to go on with him playing six minutes. Yeah. I know he hasn't done jack shit, but what can you do playing fucking half as many minutes as a fourth liner? So I don't know. I think Dave Haxt all over there and in Seattle is a psychopath. I think he's dumb. I think he's a bad coach and I think he should be fired, but that's just me. I'm not Ron Francis. I don't get to make that decision. That's what I would do. Considering that Dave Haxtall is supposed to be some sort of defensive coach, any any and that last season. Did you did you see the Kraken last year? No defense. No, nada, not a fucking slice of defense. Couldn't stop a beach ball. Terrible. Terrible team. Hated him. I'm honestly not I can't even be a fan of of the Kraken. As long as Grubauer is on that is on in that in that franchise, I just I will I refuse to have anything to do with the Seattle Kraken. I'm, I I shouldn't even be talking about them on this podcast, but I am. I think I've said this before. I hate Grubauer. I hate him so much. He destroyed my fantasy season. But if if you if if you were the NHL co- coach of the Seattle Kraken, what are you doing with Shane Wright? Are you fucking are you gonna play him and just let him be bad and let him figure it out, or are we gonna send him back down to juniors? Or third option, you can do the Dave Haxtall thing, be a total dummy, sit him and have him sit there, do nothing, and then watch as a first rounder gets, you know, develops into a third line center at best because you never used him properly, so Hopefully they figure out what they want to do with Shane Wright and figure it out quick because what they're doing with him right now, it's not going to do any good for him. So it's going to hurt his confidence. It's just all bad stuff. So 
yeah, not a, not a great thing for Shane Wright. Feel kind of bad for him, but at least Maddie Beneers is starting to light it up over there in Seattle. That's great. That was their first draft pick. They picked him. I think it was second overall, but uh, yeah, he looks like he's playing quite well over there. So that's that's good news for the Seattle Kraken. Okay, so that's all the news. That that's all the things that I want to talk about before we got into the Leafs. Okay, so. <clears throat> So they did, uh, I predicted last week that the Leafs were going to lose to San Jose, beat the Kings, and then get dusted by the Anaheim Ducks. They did even worse than that. They, they took it to a whole nother level, and they just flat out lost all three games. So good for you, Toronto. You guys did, ex- did you, you outworked my expectations. You were even worse than I thought you were going to be. So congratulations, you nailed it. Um, let's try and get into this and... Um, try and break it down as best as I can um so I the only game that I didn't get to watch was the Anaheim game because I mean not only was it blacked out everywhere fucking absolute bullshit I was working so I didn't get to watch that game but I did get to watch the other one so first game Leafs versus San Jose they lost this game four to three in overtime uh in this game they were trying out Kerfoot on the first line that ended up not working it worked that night he he got like two assists or something but they did not go back to that Kerfoot is just a fuck. Oh my god, he's starting to really get me frustrated. He's been frustrating to me for a while because he's exactly if if you saw if you know Steve Dangle, you you heard what he probably said this week. He had a nice, he had a good fun week, but uh, uh, Kerfoot is is exactly what I th- what I think Steve said. Like he is a he is a jack of all trades, master of none. Or if or if what he said on the podcast, he's like an eight of clubs and a master of none. And I, I fully agree with that. I think he's like, he's okay at a little bit of everything, but he's not good or even great at any one thing. Like he's just kind of a Rover, um, extremely overpaid for a Rover, a guy that has played her fourth line, third line, second line, first line, and hasn't fit on any of them. So I don't know what the fuck we're doing. We're Kerfoot. Something's got to change here because I mean, it doesn't matter. We lost the Kadri trade flat out anyway. Tyson Berry was a disaster, and Kerfoot. I mean, yeah, he was just kind of a guy that was kind of just placed there. He looked he looked good at times. He's had his moments, like in the playoffs when Johnny T went down. He he took over that second line and was excellent. He was excellent. But where's that guy? Like, why can't we get that guy on a consistent basis? We put him on the second line. He gives us nothing. You put him on the top line. He gives us two assists. But apparently that's not good enough. They send him back down. So I have no idea what they want to do with Kerfoot. I don't. I, that's kind of the big problem with this with the team right now is that they they have no identity. A lot of the guys on the team have no no role no no identity no purpose no nothing and Kerfoot is like the king of that he has like he has no there's nothing like what's his role on the team to to just kind of be wherever we want you to be and just kind of be there because that's all he's doing he's just like Steve's been saying it uh, busy nothing and that's a lot of what we see is like yeah he's moving out there but he ain't doing anything like there's just not a lot going on with Kerfoot especially this year man he's looked terrible um, the Leafs had a great start to this game. They got scored on 26 seconds in. Hall trips up on a two-on-one. They walk right through him. They get and 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 it's a goal. So uh, classic. I mean, Justin Hall just keeps burying a bigger and bigger grave for him. He has been the whipping boy in Toronto for quite some time now, and I just can't take anybody defending this guy anymore. Like, if there's anyone out there that's still defending Justin Hall, then. 
yeah, you're you're a special kind of stupid. That's all I can really say about it. The only thing that Justin Hall brings to this team is a, is an okay penalty killer, and um, we can do better than that. Uh, there's better like there's there's got to be something better than this because the guy just does not know how to play. The only time he was okay was when he had a fully healthy. Muzzin on his side to cover up for all of his fuck-ups and now that Muzzin isn't healthy you don't have a defenseman on this team that can cover up for the bullshit that is Justin Hall you try him with Morgan Riley Morgan Riley can't help him um Lilligren can't help him Giordano can't help him this guy should not be playing in the NHL he should not be playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs that's the only reason why he's in the lineup right now I think is out of necessity they have no one else better I guess to try um I would try Victor Mete I would try Marinson Marinson if we still have him. I'd try anything else right now other than Justin Hall uh because holy fuck dude it is bad uh the PK the penalty kill for the Leafs was bad not good enough not trying hard enough their their penalty kill has just been terrible the Leafs woke up really late in this game, which is uh, again another theme of this team, a theme of this, a theme for this team for the last how many years now, where they just can't wake up in time for games, or, and when they decide to wake up now, it's wakey wakey time for eggs and bakey time. It's it's too late. The game's fucking over, and that's exactly what happened for this one. <coughs> I forget what exactly time they decided to wake up for this game. I think it was sometime in between the second half of the second period, something like that. Way, way, way too fucking late. Absolutely dumb. They it was it was a very leaf game. I mean, Shalgren was a net for this. I can't really put it on him. He had his moments. Team in front of him was not good enough. He had some saves that that were timely saves that kept us in the game, gave us a chance. Some of the goals that he led in, yeah, they're not the greatest, but I mean, look at the plays, look at what's happening in front of him, look where the defense is, look what look what's happening in front of Shalgren. And yeah, you would like a save that maybe he he you know save our bacon every now and again, but he's our third string goaltender. Like I, I, we're already asking a lot out of this guy, but still. Uh, the new top line did pretty good, I thought, in this game. Matthews gets a big power play goal. I was hoping that that was going to open the floodgates for him. Not really, not really. I mean, he scored another goal, but, I mean, yeah. it's it's Matthews has not been Matthews yet. And then they go to overtime. Eric Carlson pulls away, scores a beauty, and the game's over. over excuse me, goodness gracious. So, for all the people that had to stay up late, watch that absolute dog shit game i feel bad and yes i mean i guess that means i feel bad for myself because i stayed up and watched this game and it was bad and the least are bad and i just i mm. so the next game next game uh, i thought they would have done okay in this game no they lost four to two so in this game i mean not only just this game but i mean leaf struggling to make the first pass has been just uh, something i haven't seen like Maybe it's it's okay if they're not if they're not able to make nice crisp passes for the first few games. I mean that's fine. You're gonna see a lot more icings than normal the first week or two in the NHL. That's normal. But I've never seen the Leafs struggle this badly making passes out of their zone. I mean it, it wasn't usually that big of a problem. They were pretty good at getting out of their zone into the offensive zone, but not this year. I mean they're, they're not only are they struggling to get the first pass out, they're struggling to get the puck out of their own zone in general i mean it doesn't matter they'll get hemmed in there they get control they have an easy 
no problem opportunity to get it out to make a nice simple pass get the puck out move it up and they don't they'll give it they'll fucking give it away they'll miss the pass they'll go ice it they'll do anything but make a nice pass out nice simple play can't do it right now i don't know if they just need to go back to basics simplify the game because maybe you're trying to play a game that's like mid-season form kind of game and we just need to simplify some stuff just make crisp passes made smart plays and that is not what this team is doing right now at all anyway uh, John Tavares, he stays hot. He got a power play goal. He was all over the net in that in this game. He he looked great. He had a good game. He's also he's looked great this whole season. He's been playing. It's just like we need him to be a captain. We need him to be a, not a silent leader all the time. Like we need him at times to stand up and like yell at people and and all that shit. Um, Justin Hall took two penalties. The Kings strike on both of those power plays, and Hall was out there for the third goal again. So, another really rough night for Justin Hall out there. I mean, holy fuck, dude. Like, I can't even believe this guy is still playing. I can't believe he hasn't been benched. I can't believe there hasn't been, like, barely a word said about Justin Hall from Sheldon Kiefer or the team. I know they love the guy, and that's great and everything, but fact of the matter is, this dude is hurting this team really, really badly right now, and I think just, like, he's got no confidence. He's got really just, that's it. He's got zero confidence in his own abilities. I mean, the dude can't do barely anything correctly right now. It's, it's really, really hard to watch, and it's very upsetting. Uh, Matthews taking some penalties in this game. He looked just fucking terrible out there. I have I have literally not seen Matthews play that badly. I don't think ever in his career. It was really weird. Like normally when you see Matthews play, it's like he always ends up with that puck, gets goals, especially when he's in his fucking zones. He's not scoring those goals that he used to uh, this season. Like he'll be right in his fucking spot barely anybody around him nice clean shot and it's just not going in he's not getting some of the puck luck his body language is 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 starting to show off like he's getting annoyed he's starting to lack he's starting to lose a little bit of that that matthew swagger that he has you know what i'm saying that matthew swagger it's not there right now and um yeah dude it's not good it's really really noticeable the 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 stuff that's going on with this team but some people are asking the question is is matthews battling something is does he have an injury not that i've heard of we we probably would have known this by now he he seemed healthy uh he was playing really good up until this la game he was playing fine he's playing good he's doing mostly the right things not the greatest defensively but um he was he was getting his shots he was getting really good opportunities and they just weren't going in but this la game dude he looked bad like he just looked out of it it was really really weird like i i swear i have not seen him play a worse game than he did in la that was just not good to see he got lackluster passing the d-men was struggling to get pucks out this whole game missing the net i mean oh my goodness dude if i see william nylander or kerfoot miss the fucking net one more time i'm gonna go down there and i'm gonna kick one of them probably just kerfoot because william nylander's had a pretty good season but kerfoot hit the fucking net would you oh my god like i can't believe it like these guys are nhl players and the fact that they i can't believe they missed the net like it's insane how are you missing the net so much like you guys are nhl players it's, it's just weird to me can't get enough consistent offensive zone time i mean I think I recall them getting hemming in the Kings for maybe one shift. They looked okay on it. They were passing it around. I don't even think they got a, a scoring chance out of it. Weak, man. This is weak. Like, they're pretty damn good at doing that, cycling 
uh, hemming in teams for multiple minutes, multiple shifts in a row, getting a goal on it, or at least a power play, something like that, not happening. Not happening this year, man. They're not getting into the offensive zone for a long time. When they do, they usually just pass it around or make one or two too many passes. They end up going the other way, or they give a bad giveaway, ends up in our net. Shit like that, man. It's been happening a lot. Uh, There's just a lot about the Leafs right now. A lot of things about their game that needs to be tightened up. I mean, pretty much from head to toe, everything could use a tightening. I mean, holy moly, defense. Goaltending has been pretty decent. I mean, Sam Sonoff has been good. Um, Shalgren, I mean, what can you really expect? I don't think he's been bad. He's been okay. And then Murray, we just haven't been able to see him yet. And uh, now that he's already been hurt this season... It's probably going to be a really rough go for him this season, I would imagine. So I don't really have a whole lot of of confidence in the return of Matt Murray. Like I said over and over again, thank the Lord we got Samsonov as well. Holy crap. Imagine this team right now if we didn't have Samsonov on it. Holy fuck. Um, like, well, speaking of Samsonov, he made some big saves that kept him in it. But he, like, he's only one man. Like, he's only one guy in the team. He made the saves... Uh, to keep them in it. He tried his best. He did not play badly. Um, Kings capitalizing on their power plays and took advantage of all the Leafs' mistakes. They look they look faster, and Peterson, their goaltender, played better. Played better than our goaltending, and, uh, yeah, they got the LA Kings get the win, and the Leafs lose in regulation. So, yeah, this, this road trip uh, already off to a really terrible start. The fact that they lost to San Jose, that was really bad. Nice that they got one point out of it. They almost leafed that game. Leaf that game, meaning that they they decide to wake up really late, tie the game, or do something, send it to overtime, and then get the two points where they clearly did not deserve it. They got outplayed for most of the game, but yeah, that's not happening this year either, which is fine because that's a that's a problem that the Leafs have had. Like that's not a good thing when your team goes down all the time because they're not engaged in the game. Then they decide to get engaged in the last seven minutes of the game, and they just happen to explode offensively because they have so much skill. But when the offense dries up for this team, which offense tends to dry up in the playoffs. This team is fucking useless. Absolutely useless. There isn't a second thing that they can do good. And what made the Tampa Bay Lightning a Stanley Cup champion is that they can play any game that you bring to their table. You want to play defense? They'll play defense. You want to play rough and tough? They'll play rough and tough. You want to go on a goal scoring spree? We'll fucking be right there with you. What can the Toronto Maple Leafs do? They can score. Not this year. Can they play a defensive game? Well, I haven't seen them hold a lead in about 13 years, so no, they can't do that. Uh, Are they tough enough to stand in there and defend themselves? Well, fuck, watch any Leaf game and you'll know the answer pretty damn quickly is no. No, they are not tough at all. They can't do that. They can't hold leads. So what is this team? Fundamentally, it sounds like they're a bad fucking team in my book because they can't score, they cannot defend, they can't pass, they can't defend, they can't do fucking anything other than Samsonov making saves. That's about the only thing that's going for them right now, and their captain, John Tavares, is putting up points, but the team isn't following him. It looks like Keefe has lost the room, so I don't really know... 
what the fuck they're gonna do but um let's before we get into what i think they should do and could do let's talk about the fucking goddamn ducks game and i'm so happy i didn't have to watch this i'm so happy i had to work that night and i didn't have to waste my time watching this fucking dog shit even though i couldn't because it's fucking blacked out because of fucking Sportsnet, stupid Sportsnet. i pay fucking 200 dollars a year for this stupid thing and you're gonna blackout games i even have the fucking like upgraded version of it and you still give me blackout games this is an absolute disgrace absolute disgrace nhl like what the fuck is going on anyway leafs lose to the ducks in overtime four to three and they probably should have lost four to three in regulation we'll get to it so let's get into this fucking game so the leafs had a 3-1 lead going into the third they were playing okay they did all right as far as i can tell then the bad passing and turnovers started coming through all the time cost the leafs this game was the turnovers the bad passing Mitch Marner will get to it and like I just said the Ducks should have won this game in regulation they had a goal called back that everyone in the world has confirmed that should have been a goal uh referees said it was goaltending interference they did not want the Leafs to lose another game in regulation to the worst team in the NHL and to save their team some ridicule and possibly someone getting killed who knows Leaf fans can be pretty wild um, so the goal gets called back. The game goes to fucking overtime. And um, in overtime, there was a big save by John Gibson. Mitch Marner gets robbed. Zegris flies back down the other way and pots in his second goal of the game and wins the game for his team. So, oh boy. Oh my goodness. So one thing about the Ducks that I want to say is pretty funny. Um, Ducks are minus two on their power play. I don't know if that's currently still true, but it was true as of the end of that Leaf game. So I don't think I've ever seen this before, but the Ducks are minus two on the power play. So what does that mean? So they're 0-23 on their power play. So they've scored zero times on 23 opportunities, and they've allowed two goals shorthanded. So that means they're minus two. That's insane. So the, the Ducks would prefer to not let any team take penalties on them because it's apparently hurting their team their panel their power play is hurting their team they're getting more goals scored against them than they're getting on a power play that's fucking crazy holy crap and the leafs lost to this team the leafs lost to this team a team that is 0 23 on the power play and they're a minus two what the fuck is going on okay so there's a lot of drama that went on went on during this game uh, Sheldon Keefe called out Mitchell Marner during a timeout, pointed at him. Uh, you know, people that can read lips were saying that he was talking about the two goals that were let in that were directly Mitch Marner's fault. So I, I, am, I applaud Sheldon Keefe for calling out him in front of his teammates. And, and the worst part is, like, I watched... I watched that clip, and the sad thing is, like, no one on the bench is caring. Like, no one's even looking at Sheldon Keefe. Mitchell Marner, like, you could tell when, when he looked, when he pointed at Mitch, like, he looked to the side, like, he's an annoyed little baby, and, and the only kid, the only person on that bench that might have been listening to him was Nikki, Nikki Bobby, Nick Robertson, everyone else on that bench couldn't give one less of a fuck of a word that was coming out of Sheldon Keefe's mouth, man, and, and I don't get it, like, I think Sheldon Keefe is a really good coach, I like Sheldon Keefe quite a bit. I think I think it's, he's a good coach, um, but I think this this fucking Toronto Maple Leafs team is becoming a little bit prima donna, especially Mitchell Mar Mitch Marner. I mean, he's probably one of the biggest prima donnas in the whole entire league, if not the entire league, and. 
I think maybe he should call up Crosby and have a little sit-down conversation with Crosby and talk to Crosby about uh, when Crosby was a little bitchy, whiny prima donna. And what he needed to do was stop bitching and stop and start focusing on the game and stop focusing on the parts of the game that are making you upset and just focus on what you need to do, Mitch. Because clearly, I don't care how many times he says in interviews, oh, I don't care what people say about me. I don't care. Yeah, you do. You clearly fucking care about every single word that people write about you on the internet. Doesn't matter if it's a six-year-old or a 67-year-old. Doesn't matter. He takes every fucking word that people write about him to heart. It's clear as day. He wears his emotions on his shoulders. His body language on the ice is like watching a teenager. Like, it's it's kind of embarrassing. Like, it's very unprofessional of him. He's one of the highest-paid players on the league. He's one of the highest paid players on the team he's one of the better players in the league and he's acting like a fucking child dude he's acting like a child he was benched in this game he decided what he was going to do is i am going to walk down the 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 tunnel oh wait sorry hold on i'm gonna come back for a second hey trainer can i have a stick please yeah thanks for that and he went down and smashed it apparently we didn't get to see it and everyone's up in arms and freaking out about it and I'm with him. I mean, I think Mitch. I think at that point, I would have just sent Mitch home. Like you're, you're done. You just walked off the bench. You're out of here, pal. You're done. And what does Sheldon Keefe do? Well, he fucked up. He fucked up big because what's he? What's he gonna do? Leafs are up. He benches Marner because he literally caused the game to get tied. He gave the puck away two times, which led to two goals. So you bench that player. That is a good move. Good job, Sheldon Keefe. Now the game is tied. What do you do? You send Mitchell Marner back out after he just did that. Threw a little fucking four-year-old hissy fit, not even on the bench, where at least, you know, it would have been better if he at least done it on the bench. No, he gets up, leaves, goes down the hallway, has a hissy fit, and comes back, and then gets to go back out on the ice like nothing happened. Are you fucking kidding me, Sheldon? Ugh. And I just defended you. And you go out and you do something stupid like that. I'm pretty upset that he didn't stick to his guns right there. And who knows, man. Like, there's a lot of words going around that it's not so much uh, Sheldon Key's fault. It's not so much Dubas's fault. It might be Shanahan that might be the problem. Or it might be higher-ups in, in the organization that are that are telling these guys, hey, do this, hey, do that. And maybe Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas don't have the control on this over this organization that we think they have. Like, maybe Sheldon Keefe doesn't get to make the decisions that he wants to. Maybe it's someone up higher up there that's like, oh, no, fuck no, you don't get to do that to Mitchell Marner. Like how earlier in the season, uh, Sheldon Keefe called out Mitch, and then the next day he had to come out and like re he had to take back his words basically because Mitch Marner had a hissy fit probably and said, "Don't talk bad words about me, and everyone's gonna talk bad about me." Blah blah blah. It's like, okay, listen, Mitch, you make like you signed a contract for like eighty-eight million dollars suck it the fuck up dude like oh my god like how do you think any of us normal people feel like how do you think fast food workers feel they sit there they make fucking nickels and dimes they get treated like garbage by people in society because they think they're garbage because they have to work a fast food job and then you're sitting over here complaining oh woe is me my life is so miserable i'm making 11 million dollars every single year probably way more than that because of all your 
extra deals that you get for playing in Toronto. You get everything you want in life. You get to play for your childhood team. You're making all the money. Your coach can't even ridicule you because you will go whine to your to daddy, daddy Shanahan upstairs and say that, oh, Sheldon Keith is being mean to me. I'm upset about it. It's like, oh my God, dude, are we dealing with a fucking daycare here? Or are we dealing with the Toronto Maple Leafs? What the hell is this crap? I can't believe this. Like, I think, like, Mitchell Marner may go down in history as the most unlikable, most unliked Leaf of all time if he keeps this shit up. He went from literally, like, one of my favorite players on this team to a player that I can barely even, like... It's getting ugly, dude, and and the way that he's acting is just it's gonna it's turning the fan base against him, and if the fan base isn't already turned against him, then I mean I think Marner's gonna end up being sent out of here. He's gonna demand a trade. Something like that's gonna happen because I mean it's just gonna start getting ugly and personal and all that stuff. And I think it's already gotten to that level when we when we had him holding out on his contract. Like that was a huge big red flag for me. I was so immensely disappointed in Mitch Marner for doing that. And um like I understand it. I understand the holding out thing. It's the way that he went about it. It's it's the way that he went about it, which was so bad, like his dad getting involved and, and all these things that he said and every basically every word that he said when he was a rookie was basically all a lie. Like he's like, Oh, I'll play for this team, I'll do all this. I just can't believe a single word that comes out of his mouth. And no, I don't think he I think he cares very, very strongly, but I think it's like like I think it's a bad thing that he cares this much. I think you need to find a balance and like a why I, I just don't know why you would give a shit about what anybody any fan says about you I don't know why you would want to care about that I feel like he's surrounding himself with bad people I they like whoever like people are telling him like all the stuff that's getting written about him and if I was an NHL player man I would not have any of that I wouldn't have social media. I wouldn't look at any article written about my team. I wouldn't <clears throat> read any article about the NHL in general. I would just play my game. I would watch hockey games and have my own opinion. And I don't need to be swayed by other people's opinions. Like, oh, Mitchell, 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 why are you doing this? Why is Mitchell Marner being this way, man? Like, I'm so upset with Mitchell Marner and the way that he's been acting over the last couple of years, man. Like, I just want him to focus on the hockey put up a hundred fucking point season every single year and just play hockey dude like stop worrying about what twitter says about you stop worrying about what podcasts are saying about you they're gonna do it man like i don't know what you were expecting when you came when you were drafted to be a toronto maple leaf i don't know what you're expecting to change in the land of toronto they're always going to talk about you that's what comes with the territory you play in canada you grew up a toronto maple leaf fan you're probably one of us ridiculing a leaf on the team that was not playing up to your standards or whatnot or or bitching about something i mean like mitchell marner uh, i don't know why i keep calling him mitchell mitch marner man like he's got to start acting like a professional he's got to take another step in that maturity because he's so immature man it's fucking it's really kind of embarrassing the way that that he is and like he's he's just like why can't you be more like willie man like willie i don't think there's a single thing in the world that would bother willie and then anything that happens to mitch marner he's up he's fucking throwing the arms up he's rolling his eyes he's fucking the body language is just out of control oh my god okay where were we with this crap okay so we're talking about marner 
Okay, so some other news that has been coming out lately is Barry Trotz. He's been coming out on a couple podcasts, apparently teasing. He's wanting to, he wants to coach an original six team. Now he's also come out and said that he will not. He has no interest in coaching until at least December, possibly January, the new year. So we're not. It's not like they're gonna fire Keith today and they're gonna hire Barry Trotz tomorrow. That apparently is not in the cards. So <coughs> it looks like we're gonna be dealing. We're going to be sticking with Keefe at least until Barry Trotz is available because why would you? Well, there's the, the big question I have is like, is it is is firing Keefe the right move? Like, is that even is that even the right move right now? Because then you're giving the Leafs exactly what they want again. You're giving Mitchell Marner, Mitch, you're giving Mitch Marner, you're giving Nylander, you're giving Tavares, you're giving Matthews, you're giving that core exactly what they want again. You, you already got rid of Babcock. You already got rid of... You, you do whatever they want. You oh, we want this player, we want that. You give them too much, and I think now it's time to start taking from them. You fucking fire Justin Hall into this sun. You send him to KHL. You send him anywhere. Because, like, you got to start, you got to open up the eyes of these guys that that they aren't safe. And I think right now a big problem is that Kyle Dubas has made them feel secure. And that's not very good. You got to make them feel like at any time anything can happen. Like one of you guys, if not all of you, can be traded. It, it's it, nothing is forever. Like just because you're you, you know you, you're signed an eight year deal doesn't mean you're here for eight years. I can trade you tomorrow. Does not matter. Um, so I think they need to start. Like you need to at least fire a warning shot. And I feel like the best warning shot would be to fire Justin Hall into the sun. And then there you go. There's one of your favorite guys out. He's gone. He's trash deal with it you guys will be next and so on and so forth but man this team man like i don't know what happened with sheldon keith and i don't know what's going on between him and mitch marner they say there's no beef there's clearly a beef there's something because like i mean i just don't believe anything that mitch marner says i think everything that he says is just what the media wants to hear he's just saying what he thinks the media wants to hear so uh i think well, if he started speaking his own mind, he's probably going to piss people off even more. So I think he should just shut up and uh, just play hockey, dude. Stop worrying about the media. Stop worrying about Twitter and just play fucking hockey. Stop worrying about Sheldon Keefe and just play the stupid game, man. That's all That's all it is. It's just a fucking game, but he's, he's, he's just making it too much. Um, and then my other question is, is like, is, is, is it is it Shanahan? Is he the one that's to blame for all of this? Because he's the one that's like kind of behind the behind the scenes, pulling all the strings a little bit, right? And he's been here for eight years, and all these problems, it's all under him, and nothing's changing. And it looks like they're not going to change out Shanahan. It doesn't look like they're ever going to fire him. They seem to love him. And I don't know if I have a problem with him yet. I can't confirm or deny it because I don't know if he's the one pulling the strings or not. Because if he's the one saying to do it's like, don't do that, you can't do that. But then, like, if you did watch the Amazon Prime series and you seen like, that the scene when Kyle Dubas makes the trade with Columbus for Nick Felino, is that a case of like Brendan Shanahan letting Dubas do what he wants and it backfiring and Shanahan going, see? This is why I don't let you do the thing because you sat there and spent an uh, arm and a leg on Nick Felino and we got absolutely fucking nothing out of it. Absolutely nothing. He did zero. Zero. Motherfucking zero. And it cost us an arm and a leg. He got nothing for it. Asset management. 
whose fault is that? Is that Shanahan's fault or is it Dubas? Did Dubas want to trade Jake Gardner or, or would Shanahan not let him trade him because we wanted him for a playoff run? Or is it the other way around? Someone's got to take the blame here and what it is is that i mean if dubas gets fired he's getting hired by another team day one not even not even a day it'll probably take seven minutes and he's going to have a big old contract with seattle or someone and he's going to be over there doing his thing i think kyle dubas is a good gm i just think he has some major flaws that this team is 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 taking advantage of him with like they know that he's loyal to the bone with his people and that's that's pretty i think they just know that and they're taking advantage of it they're like it doesn't matter well what how we play or what we do we're like it's just he's not going to change anything so if we just keep playing bad like i don't know what it is with the lease man do they want him do they want are they trying to get dubas fired are they trying to get sheldon key fired i don't know what the fuck they're doing because there's no real reason why this team is playing as poorly as they're playing right now it's it's mostly in their head i mean on paper this is one of the strongest toronto maple leaf teams we've ever seen and they're going down in history is probably one of the most disappointing teams in, in toronto maple leafs history which is saying something because a there's a long history and b there's a long history of disappointing seasons so as is going right now leafs are trash they're not playing good and um, I don't know what the solution is. Is the solution, do you think it's firing Sheldon Keefe? Do you think it's firing the whole entire brass of Shanahan and that whole group? Do you think firing um, Dubas or Keefe is going to be the right thing? Now, keep in mind, we're still paying uh, Babcock for his coaching duties that he is not coaching us on. And if we fire Sheldon Keefe, then we're paying him. And... I know people they're talking about that, but I'm like, why? Why does that matter? I mean, have did you just did you not see how much the Leafs are worth? That just came out recently. They're worth like worth billions. They have so much fucking money, man. Like, do you think they give a shit that they're paying Babcock for doing nothing? No, they don't. They make way too much money to care about shit like that. So if Barry Trot says they 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 you fire Sheldon Keefe today, I'll come coach for you now, and like I feel like they will do that. Um, Will it help? I mean, yeah, probably in the short run. I don't know. I think in the long run, it may do some damage to the organization as a whole because, I mean, right now it's it's starting to look like the prisoners are running the asylum. Like, that's just what it kind of looks like from, from, from my view. It looks like that Dubas is starting to cave in and we need him to stiffen up a little bit, make hard decisions, and... Do the hard thing because this team needs things. Uh, we know what they need. They need toughness. We need better defense. We need a bottom six with an identity. I mean, I don't know why. How is that? Why is that so hard? Like, why can't Dubas or, or Keith just be like, I want this line to shut people down and use their speed, and then I want this fourth line to hit everything and be a piece of shit to play against. And like, why is that so? Like, why? Mm, this team is frustrating man like they're very frustrating when you watch them play it's like watching watching someone being overly cautious and scared and they just don't look like they're they're open they're like very tight they look very just uncomfortable and the worst thing is it's just the same problems every single year for this leafs group man it's the same problems like people are saying like oh it's only it's just the beginning of the season yada 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 no it isn't these are the same problems that we've had for the last like five seasons they don't play a full 60 
they play down to opponent to the opponent. If if it's Arizona, if they're playing the thirty second team in the league, they will be they'll they'll play as the thirty third team. They will be the thirty third worst team in the league. They will just play down to their opponents. And sometimes they play up to their opponents like they did against Winnipeg. They hate Winnipeg. They they want to beat Winnipeg, so they showed the fuck up for that game. And look at them. They played amazing. Um, they struggle to hold on to leads. They get outworked. Defense in front of the net is terrible. They're predictable. And now, now, those problems are not being glossed over as they were normally because now they got these new problems and the big problem that they're having that used to cover all these old problems up is that they're not scoring anymore. That's what got them out of all the hot water that they got themselves in last year. Cause this pretty much we're right. We're rewriting almost the exact same story that happened last year, rough start. And then all of a sudden the ship got righted, but this year it's a, it's, it's worse than last year. Like, yeah, at least we didn't lose seven to one to the pens, but we did just lose to a whole bunch of shitty teams that we should have dominated. We should be like, we should be up there with the Bruins right now with the, with the schedule that we just had, the teams that we just played, a lot of them not playoff bound teams should have kicked their ass. We did not. So now that the offense isn't over, isn't doing what they do and covering up all the glaring errors of the team and just outscoring all the problems, which is never a good way to build your team, never a good way, never ever. I don't like that's like it's fun. It's fun to watch a team outscore their problems. It's very entertaining. Look at the Edmonton Oilers, but I mean that's just not how you win. It's very not a way to win the game when you're if you're a one-track team and that's what the Leafs are if they're all offense. Like I said earlier, offense goes way down in the playoffs. Intensity goes way up, and those are things that just do not play in the Leafs' favor. Hence why they lose in the first round all the time. They're Goal scoring is what gets them victories. That goes down in the playoffs, and the intensity helps you get through long series, and they do not have that. They don't have that intensity. They don't have that hard-to-play-against mentality. I feel like a lot of teams this year are looking forward to hopefully drawing the Leafs in the playoffs because they're like, oh, that's not that hard of a team to play against. I mean, yeah, they got the offense. As long as we can shut that offense down, easy peasy. Get in their heads a little bit, easy peasy. Do some fights, throw some big hits, easy peasy. Because it doesn't matter. If the Leafs try and do anything back, they'll just get suspended. So it doesn't matter what the Leafs do. So like I said, I don't think there's a win, uh, any sort of winning situation for this team. But yes, but now they have new problems. Like I said, stars on this team are not scoring. The defense can't make a pass anymore, and they're slow. Bottom six has no identity. I think that falls into a category of an of a ongoing uh, problem over the last few years because I feel like our bottom six has just been like a revolving door of people. Like, okay, is this guy any good? Oh, Nick Ritchie? Nope, he's no good, and all that stuff. And they play like it seems to be getting worse but the cautiousness the scaredness the fear that they play with right now is just like not good man like they look scared to make passes they're scared to do anything they're scared to hit because they might get a penalty they're scared to get aggressive on any play or they might get a penalty if they can't they won't defend themselves they won't defend their star players they won't defend their goalies they won't defend anybody they won't defend themselves if you're getting punched in the face they'll just stand there and take it if austin matthews gets fucking decked they'll just sit there and look at it and do absolutely nothing there's not a single guy in this team that'll confetti gloves anything like 
We need guys that will confetti gloves. We need guys that'll that are just dickheads. We like I agree one thousand percent with what Steve Dangle and all those guys are saying. We need assholes on this team. We need people that are hard to play against. We need a guy on this team that make other teams go, ugh. But they got that guy. And the problem is, there's not a lot of those guys out there in the league. And the bigger problem is barely any of those guys are gonna be available. Like on the Steve Dangle podcast, Adam Wilde was like Tom Wilson would be perfect. I'm like, I, I, and he, he defended it right away. He's like, yeah, I know it's Tom Wilson and and there's no way the Leafs are going to get him. But it's like, how many Tom Wilsons are in the league? Three. There's like a Marchman who we had and gave away Tom Wilson and like the Kachuk brothers. Like, okay, good luck. You can't get any of those. You're not going to get any of those. It doesn't matter. You can offer up Austin Matthews and you may not get one of those guys. And you, you can't trade Austin. And you won't get any of those players for Mitch Marner. I don't even think Washington would take a Mitch Marner straight up for Tom Wilson. Because I think they know the value of Tom Wilson. So that's the kind of guy that the Leafs need. And I don't think they're, you can't make a trade for it because it's just not out there. So you got to start breeding these guys and you got to start developing these kind of people and you know i think the leafs had that six foot nine guy down there hopefully you can develop him into being a piece of shit and there's a lot of guys on the leafs right now like pure engvall they talk about it all the time the guy is six foot five he's built out of pure marble he is a greek god in stature and 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 look and the guy can't fucking move a feather like he's so big and you would expect him to just be able to truck and dominate guys in front of the net and he does none of that none of it he is fucking useless physically out there it's insane matthews can throw the body out there but that is your best player on the team like he is an ultra megastar you cannot have him out there fighting battles like that that's not what he's supposed to do that's what the bottom six is for and they just don't do anything so yeah, dude. Um, Leafs are in a lot of trouble right now, and um, it can get a lot worse. And it looks like it probably is going to get worse because their upcoming games, you got tonight, they're playing the Philadelphia Flyers, who have been hot. They're injured to all holy hell. They're probably the most injured team in the league besides the Leafs. And the big problem is I don't feel confident going into this game is because of who they have as a coach. John Tortorella, he's going to make those Flyers work their asses off Wednesday night, and the Leafs do not work for fucking anything. So they want the game to come to them. It's not going to come to them. Flyers are going to kick the shit out of them tonight. Guarantee it. Then they got Boston Saturday. That's just a laugh. I mean, I don't even know if I should waste my time watching that game because that's going to be an absolute shit-kicking. And then on Sunday, back-to-back games, you got Boston, and then you go and play fucking Carolina. So good luck. Leafs are going to lose probably all three of those games. Optimistically, I would love for them to at least win the Boston game. That would be great. But usually how it goes with the Leafs, if they do win a big game, they're going to come back and lay an egg the next one. So if they come out tonight, they beat the Flyers 5-0, they're going to lose 8-1 eight, eight to one to Boston on Saturday, and then they might lose an okay-efforted game on Sunday to the Hurricanes. But we'll just have to wait and see. Right now, my confidence is shook in this team. I've been watching them for over 20 years. I've been watching this particular group the whole time, and you know, not a lot, not a lot has changed since those early days when we're just an up-and-coming new rookie squad who wasn't even supposed to be in the playoffs. What a great time that was. Ever since then, it's been a fucking little bit of a nightmare. So if the Leafs lose in terrible fashion again tonight against the Flyers, I don't know if they're going to fire Keefe. They might. I hope they don't because I, I like Sheldon Keefe a lot. I, I 
but if he's lost the room, he's lost the room. So I don't know how he could have lost the room. I think he's a great coach. He's a former player. I mean, what more? Like, holy fuck, man. Like, he literally checked all the boxes that it seemed that they wanted, that the Leafs team wanted when they got rid of Babcock. Like, okay, here's a fucking, here's a player's coach. Here's a guy who's played. Here's a guy who will fucking make changes on the fly and so on and so forth. But, I mean, if Barry Trotz wants to come here, I ain't going to say no. Um, I... I don't even. I have no idea. Would Barry Trotz be able to get us past the first round? No, it would have to. It, it, it might be able to happen, but Barry Trotz going to have to come in here. He's going to have to put some systems in place. He's going to put some defensive systems in place, and that's the way the Leafs need to start playing because been trying the offensive thing for a few years now it does not work they've been slowly creeping in a little bit more defense into that game this season has just completely gone kaputs i don't even know what the hell's going on with this season the defense is gone and the offense is gone so i don't know actually well i mean the defense isn't all the way gone mostly because of samsonov because they are actually one of the better teams when it comes to goals against but they're one of the worst teams when it comes to goals for and you have the reigning rocket and heart winner on your team and we're struggling to score goals so i don't know dude something's gonna have to give this 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 group is very very skilled i still feel like they can absolutely turning around turn it around the season's not over yet it's not done we're still we're not in a terrible terrible state but it's very much so borderline bordering on the line of this becoming a fucking disaster of a season and something major gonna gonna be coming and i don't know what it's going to be is it going to be a a a big four person moving good luck doing that who's going to take one of them how the only one that you could trade is william nylander and i think that's the one you should probably try and keep but more than likely the only one that you can trade because he's the only one with value right now Who's taking? Who can even take on Mitch Marner's contract? Can't trade Matthews, and who can take on John? And who would want to take on John Tavares's contract? Even though, even though he's good, he's a good player. Maybe someone out there would want to, but I doubt it. So there you go. So good luck moving the big four. You can't move Morgan Riley. He's the only decent defenseman that we have, and he's arguably not even a top two defenseman. So he's not playing great defensively. He's got points, but he's a minus five. So yeah, yeah. I don't know, dude. This team does not look good, and uh, hopefully they turn it around, man. What do you guys think? Do you think fucking Keefe's Dunyan rings are going to fire him? Do you think Dubas is done because he's basically done? He doesn't have an extension. He's got one year left on this deal. It is very much so not coming up Millhouse for Dubas right now, and it looks like his career might be in jeopardy, and that just means he's going to go be the GM for another team, and they're going to win a cup the first year he's the GM because that's exactly how that kind of thing works for the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, that's all I think I have right now for this week. It is almost five in the morning, so I want to go to bed. Um, thank you, everybody, for listening to this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope your week is going well. It's a hump day, so you're almost there, buddies. You can make it. You're almost there to the weekend, so a little bit more. Hopefully, the Leafs win tonight. And um, yeah, so go down there and check out the description down below. You can go check out the links to my YouTube channel where I just finished my Resident Evil uh, 3 Let's Play. Did the Halloween, so we I played through Resident Evil for Halloween, the, the month of October. So that's done now. Still, play, <coughs> Excuse me, goodness gracious. Still playing through Disco Elysium over there. Looking for a new game to Let's Play. So if anyone wants to message me with a 
a PlayStation game that I can play, go ahead, message me on any of the, I got Twitter, I got YouTube, you can email me, all that great stuff, links are in, everything's in the description, so if you want to contact me, tell me how bad this podcast is, or how good it is, or how how wrong I am with all my takes, go ahead, just send me a message, just be kind of nice about it, and that would be great. Okay, guys, I will uh, talk to you again soon, hopefully Leafs win, and I hope you guys have a good rest of your week, god damn it.